What's up, everybody? It's Sathya Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Thank you guys so much for listening to this really special interview. Uh, special for two reasons. The first is we are featuring my parents, Jiva and Salojana Sam, who are marriage coaches, uh, soon to be authors, and um, obviously the brilliant parents who gave birth to yours truly um, and uh, the reason that I exist. But secondly, uh, this was the first live interview that I've ever done for the podcast. My parents just live five minutes uh, around the corner. And so I popped over and, um, and we set up a, a makeshift studio and recorded. And it was so much fun. We laughed. And um, the energy was just, it was incredible. It's like nothing I've ever experienced. And so I'm really excited for you guys to listen in. Um, if you're wondering why I brought my parents in, it's for a couple of reasons. For starters, uh, like I mentioned, they're marriage coaches. And so obviously we know how porn addiction and sexual misbehavior can impact long-term relationships, whether it's marriage or otherwise. Um, secondly, uh, they had an arranged marriage. So they they met for, you're going to hear the whole story, actually, we go pretty deep into it. Um, but they they only spoke for 10, 15 minutes before agreeing to marry each other. And from when they had that conversation to when they got married was about eight days. And so their concept of marriage and how it, it, it unfolds and what falling in love means and all of that is so revolutionary compared to what we've grown up with in the Western world. And I think there's a lot to learn from that experience. So we dive deep on that. Then we start talking about kind of uh, just healthy marriages and what it looks like to really have a healthy marriage. And we talked about the importance of the individual's healing, how often um, you have two people who have their own individual issues. And if, if they're both willing to do the work individually and then come together, the, the relationships that exist between them are a lot easier to resolve and work through. And and so their methodology was really fascinating. I learned tons myself uh, about my parents and their story. There's some cool things I didn't know before, but then uh, I learned a lot about just a healthy and a successful marriage. These guys are uh, about to cross 39 years of married life. So they got some experience under their belt as well. I know you're going to enjoy this. It's a little bit longer. That was part of the in-person dynamic where I was just having so much fun. And I, I honestly didn't even realize how long it had been. And then uh, when we finished recording, it was like, oh my gosh, we, we really uh, kept going there. So um, it is a little bit longer, but I know you're going to enjoy it. So without further ado, here's my interview with my parents, Jiva and Salojana Sam. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Sathya Sam. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. Here we are with the legendary Jiva and Salojana Sam. And uh, this is actually the first in-person interview I think I've done. So it's an honor to have you guys here. And what a great honor it is for you to be here with your favorite son, your favorite <laughs> child. This is really amazing. So I'm happy for you guys too. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we'll do a couple of different things, but you know, you guys have a very unique marriage story. And so this is not just, uh, you know, me trying to get some uh, family members on the podcast here. You guys really have something to offer. Uh, you have a book coming out. So we'll get into all of that. But I think um, I think it'd be fun to just start a little bit with the arranged marriage. So um, so just let's just set this up a little bit. Let's pretend that we're talking to people who have no like, concept of 
what an arranged marriage is or how that would actually play out. Um, give the listeners an idea of how that works. Well, I think uh, in the early days, arranged marriages were basically marriages arranged by two families. You know, parents kind of saying, hey, I think my son would be a good match for your daughter. That type of thing on a very informal kind of a basis. Uh, based on, you know, what they knew of each other, the backgrounds matching, the socioeconomic uh, circumstances being similar and so on. Um, but over the t- over time, it evolved where uh, people called marriage brokers came into the picture. And so these were intermediaries. Right. The same way an insurance broker has <laughs> connections with all the insurance companies. The broker has the same thing, right? They know yeah. all the families yeah. that are looking. Yeah. Yeah. And you pay them too, so yeah, yeah. they get they get a commission. <laughs> so a cut of the dowry? Uh, no, I don't think so. I think it's a fee for service basis. Okay, all right. yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but essentially, a broker will have a list of uh, families looking for a bride for their son, and other families looking for a husband for their daughter. Yeah, uh, and then he or she, you know, tries to match them up mm-hmm. based on the preferences that everyone had indicated as to what was important uh, you know, in a suitable partner for their child. Okay, so people who aren't familiar with this process right away are wondering what level of say do the children have in this? Because it sounds like the parents at least get the ball rolling. They're the ones that are having the conversations with the brokers. Obviously, the children get to you know, interact, but do they ultimately decide or who, who makes the final call here? Yeah, yeah I think the, the parents make the decision first, okay? And then um, it depends on the families too. Uh, some families, uh, they do ask the children for their opinion. Um, but, um, you know, I, I know growing up, um, lots of, uh, I think, Hindu families, they, I think the parents make the decision and, and that's it. They, they tell, tell their children, you know, this is the person you're going to marry. And wow. yeah, with us, uh, I think our par- parents didn't ask us. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah, no, we had total free choice. Okay. Veto, full veto power. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's the operative term there, veto power. Yeah, okay. But not everybody gets that. No. You know? Yeah. And, and I think part of it is to realize that in the Indian culture, uh, you know, you trust the judgment of your parents. Yeah. Right. And so there have been a lot of people over the years that have gotten married without ever meeting their, uh, their life partner ahead of time. Wow. Simply trusting that you know, if my parents chose, they would have chosen wisely. And so... Well, show up and get married. Wow. <laughs> they meet them on the wedding day. <laughs> Jeez, that is wild. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, we grew up in that culture that that's all we knew. Of course, and yeah. And it was uh, just a normal thing for us. Yeah. We, we didn't know anything else, anything. Yeah, yeah. that's all we knew. Um, okay, so then how did this play out for you guys? Was this was this a blind marriage? You guys just went in and <laughs> hoped for the best? Or how did how did it play out for you? Well, our family was already in Canada uh, for about, I think, seven years. Uh, when we you know, took our first kind of family vacation, holiday visit back to India. And so my dad had started to connect with uh, somebody that he knew who was a marriage broker and just said, hey, you know, we're coming to India and we're only going to be there for like six weeks. And, you know, if, if you can arrange something, that'd be great. Did he tell you? Or how did, how did that even well, start? Well, yeah, they kind of told me that, uh, you know, this could happen. Like, in other words, like, that's not the reason I went home was to get married. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was basically to see all the family, especially some of the older relatives, you know, that 
you know, that we hadn't seen for a while and, you know, who were up in years. Right. Yeah, yeah. So you're just going to visit family and grandpa's thinking, let's sneak a marriage in here while we're at it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, they, they, they didn't know. Like, I'm obviously, I'm kind of that age when uh, when I should be getting married mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and being in India would be a good time to find somebody, you know, from India. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I was in total agreement with them when they told me that, you know, this was the possibility. Uh, but the only problem was we didn't think, I shouldn't say, we weren't sure if we could actually pull it off yeah. in that short time. Yeah. yeah. And so when we got there, uh, as, you know, God would ordain it, uh, Slojan's dad had contacted the same broker as well. Yeah, I don't know how they yeah. came yeah. about. but And yeah, so he looked at it. the list of requirements on both sides and uh, since there was a match, Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, so, so they basically came and the broker came and talked to uh, my dad and to your dad, mm-hmm. and and said, "Hey, you know, if you're in agreement, let's let's have a have a meeting." Mm-hmm. You know? Okay, yeah. And obviously, there's I mean, there's an element of God's sovereignty, right? Like you can only decide so much based off a profile. Yeah. Um, and then I, I imagine sometimes it's intuition, the Holy Spirit speaking, and people are getting a, a sense. But what other qualities are people looking for in the profile? I imagine it's there's obviously the caste systems in India, yeah. religion, socioeconomic status, education. Yeah. What what do people really care about? Yeah, well, some people profession is very important, yeah. and as a rule in India, at least in those days, uh, doctors and engineers were high on the list, okay. and so like a lot of people were willing to uh, like pay huge dowries and so on. As long as they could get their daughter married to someone like that, mainly because they knew that somebody like that with that, you know, who are high income uh, would take care of their daughter for life. Yeah. yeah and, and that's often the, the thinking behind, you know, looking for matches. Now, for some people, that is kind of the determining factor. Um, very clearly in our case, that wasn't mm-hmm. uh, because I wasn't loaded. <laughs> <laughs> no guarantee of a professional income. Uh, yeah. But uh, but they do look at the education. Sure. Uh, education is one of them. Um, I think both our families. Um, the other thing is, um, you know, the, the character, no drinking, no uh, smoking. Wow. That was... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't pass the drinking test. <laughs> yeah, I came and found out. <laughs> yeah, there's always some surprises afterwards, I guess. <laughs> so, yeah. but the, the the faith, like you know, when it's it will be very very rare to see a broker arrange a marriage between um, like two families of different faiths. Right. So usually, so so as Christians, and especially yeah. with me being a pastor, mm-hmm. that that was like tops on the list. Yeah. 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 And so, uh, and of course, for you as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, it had to be a Christian for sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Although you weren't looking for a pastor necessarily. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially on the income side of things here. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could have aimed higher, I'm sure. Actually, it's funny because uh, we talked afterwards uh, when, we, when we eventually had our little meeting. Uh, Mom was worried that because I was a pastor, I would quiz around the Bible when we talked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. And yeah, I was a fairly new Christian. So I thought I hardly know the Bible. <laughs> what is he going to ask? He doesn't ask how old Methuselah was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would have said, "Who's Methuselah?" <laughs> <laughs> So, um, so what did you guys talk about? So, because th- you said your parents obviously had found enough synchrony between the applications 
and they they agreed to meet up so then is it like you went to their house yeah yeah we went to their house now the normal custom in india is that you don't actually allow the two people to talk okay it's basically just like being in person checking each other out in person so you can otherwise... look but you can't touch so to speak <laughs> exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah or you can look but no talk <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so uh, so that's what happens in a lot of these matchmaking appointments okay you know is just to see people in person and uh, you know whatever vibes you pick up that type of thing yeah and also part of the thing from the family's perspective they like to see what kind of home you know the other person has okay. you know like like are things neat and tidy yeah you know like are they showing some signs of you know like being not just well off but you know in a, in a position to take care of you know our son or daughter that type of thing yes mm-hmm. yeah yeah and so so it's a little bit of a checking out of the surroundings and so on yeah that also happens yeah uh, but uh, but i actually demanded that that we meet and have a conversation mm-hmm. okay it, it actually became a bit of a sticky point because uh, her dad was not too much for it okay yeah yeah it's very traditional <laughs> yeah. and so um, so finally our broker negotiated uh that that we would be able to just talk just the two of us uh but for a very short time uh there's specific time limit they didn't give us a time limit yeah oh, yeah take 5 10 minutes you know that type of thing yeah yeah and of course you know they were all in the next room so we really didn't have any privacy <laughs> uh, to talk i think sometimes they want to wait till you know you're sure this is the person that uh, you know your daughter or your son is going to marry um, before they allow them to talk yeah so that's another reason they don't want to make anything yeah um, yeah that's I, i think that's one of the reasons eh? yeah yeah so so one thing jeeva explained to me during the conversation is um, the the life here in canada because you know i uh, i haven't been here yeah. so he explained how cold it's going to be <laughs> and i thought okay cold Yeah, we get rain here, we wear sweaters. You know? <laughs> right. Well, because you because you were obviously you were born in India and then grew up in Malaysia. So yeah. your concept It's of... It's the other way, yeah. Born in Malaysia. And, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Born in Malaysia, sorry, yeah. And then moved to India later on. Yeah. But obviously your concept of cold was... No. It's still in positive know. degrees here. So. Yeah, yeah. So... Yeah, so it's good that you explained that. Yeah. Um, I tried to scare her a little bit, you know, just to uh, make sure that she was not coming to a like a like a cushy life here. Right. And the other big thing that I had to explain to her uh because in India when you're middle class upper middle class uh there's a lot of household chores and stuff that you don't do. Mm-hmm. You know, you have uh, laborers cheap. Yes. And so you have other people coming and doing them for you. Right. And so I let her know that in Canada uh like like where it like we have to take care of the house and uh, and so on i didn't tell her that she had to do most of it but <laughs> <laughs> someone will have to take care of it i'm not saying who it is just somebody somebody yeah <laughs> okay um so what did so you talked about okay you talked about the temperatures the lifestyle and this is roughly a 10 minute conversation and yeah maybe it was 15 you know 15 yeah, minutes yeah, yeah max yeah. yeah and how did you both feel by the end of it like mom how, what were you like okay i think this is okay this is going to work yeah i i thought this will work okay yeah i i think you know it's the curiosity um the excitement of a different country because i've been to malaysia too yeah it's a it's a little you know westernized 
Yeah. So, so more about so the I adventure than about dad specifically. <laughs> <laughs> well, the truth be told, she wanted to get out of India desperately. <laughs> and she said, here's my ticket. <laughs> I don't care what it costs. I'm going. <laughs> That's a little Just exaggeration. <laughs> yeah. That's a little element of truth there. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So and I one was of the, kind of yeah, prepared. Yeah. yeah. Actually, one of the things I don't know if I've mentioned this before is for me, I also wanted to make sure that she was fluent in English. Okay. Mm. You know, because, you know, I mean, not that you can't come here and learn the language, yeah. uh, but especially, you know, being a pastor, she'd be thrust into mm. uh, the limelight, yes. you know, having to mix with, mingle with other people. And so, uh, like, I mean, virtually everybody in those days in English, uh, in India rather, would know English. Right. Yeah, you uh, can read and write. Right, but, but not everyone could carry on a conversation. conversation. Uh, and speaking yeah you don't yeah. use it every day right so, okay and yeah. because she was an english major uh then mm-hmm. then the, the language was not a problem so that was a great sense of reassurance for me and and otherwise you know she was good looking and uh, <laughs> had a good personality and handled herself very well with all my questions okay. so right. yeah. yeah you asked me if i can sing or something also didn't you Uh, maybe as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did ask her, can you cook? And, <laughs> and, and she lied. <laughs> she said, yes. <laughs> I, I knew how to boil an egg. You know, so <laughs> well, you did have a reason to say. Yeah, I think yes, I, yes. I knew, you know, it's going to be a few months before I came over here. Oh. For, wait for my visa and things like that. Yeah. So I thought... Uh, I'll you can learn. pick up cooking in yeah. a couple months. Uh, write some recipes. Down. Jokes on yeah. him. Yeah. So, yeah, so when, he, when she came and unloaded her suitcase, <laughs> out came this thick book of recipes, <laughs> all freshly written down. <laughs> That's right. That yeah. she then practiced on me. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. So, um, so not to stir up drama here, but I know that mom was not the only person that you saw in this period, Dad. Um, so with the, other, with the other person or the other family that connected... Um, why did that ultimately not go through? Well, it wasn't quite a formal, you know, kind of a connection. You know, like it was some, actually, um, my dad knew this other girl's dad, you know, quite well from, uh, even from his from their school days. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, so we just basically stopped by and I never got a chance to talk to her, have a conversation or anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, you know, that was maybe more like the traditional way that they would do uh an arranged marriage meeting where you just see each other. Yeah. That type of thing. Uh, and like, I didn't feel, you know, like, um, like a, anything in my spirit that said, okay, that's the one. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and as it turned out, she, mom knew her. Oh, wow. <laughs> classmates. classmates. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's so, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> okay. So then, um, I mean, we'll have to fast forward a little bit, I guess, but you guys ultimately do get married. From when you met to the wedding day, what was the rough timeline there? How much time in between? Was it a week? Weeks? Maybe seven or eight days? 10 days. Yeah, 10, 10 days, days max. Yeah. From when you met to the wedding day. Yeah, yeah. yeah 10 yeah. days. Yeah. It was 10 days. Yeah, yeah, so that's a lot to take in for, for a North American audience here. Because <laughs> yeah. um, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, in, in there is the engagement also. So it's yeah. a big ceremony, the engagement. It's right. not just two people. It's two families again, another feast, and yeah, yeah. 
It's a little bit like the, well, the Bible talking about betrothal. So it's kind of that same idea. Okay. You know, of um, you know, Mary who was betrothed to Joseph. Mm. Right. Well, that was basically the family is coming in making that decision that uh, you know these two are going to get married. Mm. So it's a public declaration. Yeah. Yeah. So it's almost as good as, you know, being married at that point because you're making a commitment and and you exchange the, rings. rings and so at that point you don't really uh, like engagements breaking off is very very rare in india okay okay so yeah once you reach that step you're you're pretty much in for it yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah then within a few days then it was the wedding right mm-hmm. yeah okay wow so this is this is a real paradigm shift because in western culture i mean in most places in the world now um, you know, whether, whether it's Disney or whatever's responsible for this, it's you fall in love, you feel all the feels, you've kind of, you know, you've had your year and a half or a couple years of being together, you fought and you've made up and you've, you know, you've gone through all kinds of seasons of life together and then you finally make that commitment. And it's com- this is completely inversed. You know, this is you guys making a decision um, more or less on paper and then like obviously some intuition, whatever you can garner from a first impression and then you're beginning your life together and the the success rate for arranged marriages is, is quite high yeah. um and i think people can make an argument that obviously it's just cultural and people are afraid to get divorced mm-hmm. i'm sure that factors in mm-hmm. but obviously there's some things that are working in this process as well mm-hmm. so what what do you guys think north americans or, or western cultures that have this more, you know, modern, whatever, Disney-based, that's just my language, Disney-based approach to marriage. What what could some of them maybe learn from an arranged marriage process that you guys went through? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, the whole, the expression that you used about falling in love mm-hmm. and the, uh, the stress on feelings is, to me, it's like it's overrated. It's not that feelings don't play a part, you know, uh, but falling in love can be just a, um, like, a, like a, a chemical rush. Okay. <laughs> You know, yeah. that you feel, yeah. uh, you know, and so um, if you, you cannot make your life together simply based on the fact that you fell in love with somebody. Uh, because uh, once you get married, uh, it's really not the feelings that keep you going. You know, what keeps you going is the commitment and the decision that you make. So ultimately, uh, you know, in, in, even in a Western marriage, um, because you know we we see this we work with couples all the time and uh, and basically you know like if somebody just got together on the basis of feelings and thinks the feelings will carry them through uh, they are bound to be disappointed because when the feelings disappear then immediately the connection is you don't love me anymore mm-hmm. yeah but that's not what love is you know love is ultimately a decision uh, it's not just saying I do once you know it's also then saying I will I will I will mm-hmm. stick to it. You know, uh, over and over and over again, uh, and so uh, so in the, in the Indian culture, uh, really, yeah, it does happen. You know, in the opposite uh, order, you know, where you make the decision first, mm-hmm. yes, and then the feelings come, yeah, yeah, and then the romance comes, that's right, and so on, yeah, yeah. So the, for us, you know, the first few years, uh, you're learning about each other, and yeah. yeah, so it is a you know growing experience. It's almost like a bit of a courtship. Courtship, yeah. yeah. The only yeah. thing is, in the first year, she was pregnant and had a baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, the other thing, too, you know, I still remember growing up, um, you know, you hear um, your parents or relatives saying um, the, the word divorce is not a, in our dictionary. You right. Know? So you grow up with that, 
you know, um, thinking, you know, once you get married, you, you just make it work. You know, you, you'll have your struggles, you'll have your challenges, but you just uh, make it work. Uh, and the other thing I was going to say also, you know, um, the wisdom of the elders. You know, I think parents see, uh, like Jeeva said, you know, we, uh, we are young. We, you know, look at it uh, in the emotional, we go with the emotions. And the looks the, and so on. Yeah, yeah. but the, the parents, you know, see it at a different level uh, with their own experience, the wisdom uh, you know, what would be good for your, uh, you know, daughter or your son uh, kind of thing. So I'm, I'm just thinking, you know, uh, yeah, uh, here, you know, uh, maybe people can use the wisdom of uh, pastors. Or, uh, or even parents, you know. Parents, yeah. I think it yeah. does happen in a certain degree here, right? Mm -hmm. Once you kind of gone through a courtship and you feel like this is the one, then you, you know, introduce that person to your, your family and so on. Mm. Um, uh, and 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 so, but the the level of honor, I think, of the parents' approval uh, is is probably like uh, higher and can be can be a determining factor. Whereas here, like you know, many cases, parents don't approve, but kids get married anyway. And uh, and sometimes, you know, uh, parents may have to say later on, "Told you so." Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then other times, you know, you make it work. Ultimately, mm -hmm. I don't believe that a lot of these factors. Um, are quite as you know important uh, that happen before you get married. As uh, like, like we have a we have a saying it's, it's in our, our book actually that marriage is not about finding the right person to marry. It's about being the right person for the one you chose to marry. Mm. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, like I think there's a lot of emphasis on I need to find the right one. I need to find the right one, uh, putting a lot of stress, and that's where sometimes you end up making mistakes. Huh. You know, because you go by a set of criteria, mm -hmm. and uh, and so sometimes people, you know, like may actually, uh, you know, dismiss the one that they should have married. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And mm -hmm. so, so I think at some stage, uh, the the decision and making the decision, the commitment stick, mm -hmm. is is really way more important uh, for marriage than just the feelings. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So. Is there like a point early on in marriage, I don't know if it's in the first weeks, months, years, where you do start to feel in love and you felt that infatuation? Do you guys remember those moments in the early years? Yeah, it came maybe three, four years. Okay. Oh, wow, it took, it took a while. <laughs> yeah, it didn't happen right away. And, and, yeah. and our, actually, when we started up, things were a little bit rocky. Uh, one of the reasons is, uh, like I'm already used to the Canadian way of life. Right. And 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 and, and Slovenia isn't. What would, what would be some examples? Like, what are some of the what like Canadian way of life? Like, what would be different compared to the Indian or Malaysian way? I think you know when when people came to the house. Um, see, we uh, we grew up. Uh, the parents will you know welcome them, do all the serving. Um, I I didn't know how to do those kind of things, and maybe even the kitchen cooking, uh, and maybe the language too. I think it took a little while, you know, to... Yeah, you knew English, to, but you didn't know Canadian. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so I think uh, uh, Jeeva was a little, you know, uh, impatient. He was, he, he thought I'll change a little faster. Right. Right? Yeah. There I think a few, it, like, yeah. Just the adapting. Adapting, yeah. yeah. In certain ways. Um, yeah, the climate, yeah, it took me a little while, but not yeah, too bad. It, I think his language was one of them, the, yeah. the yeah. speaking. And I, and Dad, I suppose you were 18 when you came to Canada. Yeah. 
mom, you're 25. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So even just as on a developmental level, it's very, the learning curves are different, right? Yeah. So yes. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. my expectations were off, you know, and unreasonable, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And one day we had a good talk. Yeah. <laughs> mom had a cry. I had a talk. <laughs> <laughs> And then I admitted that, yeah, okay, I, I, I guess I've been doing it and didn't realize it. So, yeah. 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 So, uh, I wanted to get into some of the, the frameworks because you guys are helping a lot of married couples work through uh, challenges, you know, and um, it's incredible what you guys are doing. But just one last question on this front. A- another common ideology is the one. Um, again, like it's it's prominent in society, but it's especially prominent in the Christian world. And many uh, marriages have happened over, you know, people, you know, just are thinking someone is the one, you know, and oh, yeah, you're the one. And so they make the decision based on that, you know, whether it's it's God gave them a sign or they feel it in their heart. Um, and many hearts have been broken, you know, because <laughs> somebody thinks this person's the one and the other person doesn't feel the same way. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I don't want to get too far down that, but I guess I'm just curious. Do you guys believe in that? Do you believe that that there is such a thing as the one that when people are dating and finding their partner that they should be looking through that lens of finding the one person or or what what should people be looking at when they're in that stage of life? I think that's putting a lot of pressure on yourself mm-hmm. if you're looking mm-hmm. for the one. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I think a more relaxed approach would be like get to know a person. Um, like one of the things that uh, like I find a lot of times um, couples don't ask the tough questions before they get married. Okay. You know, because you're looking at the other person. Like if you already said, oh, this is the one, you know, and it meets all these criteria yeah. and so on. And then, you know, uh, rather than just looking over, you ta- start doing more overlooking. And so you may see little, little red flags. And then, you know, five years later, it's like, I should have known. Yeah, but at that time you choose to ignore it. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of the uh, one of the I think one of the uh, drawbacks or downfalls of being so focused on the one that oh I found the one. Yeah, yeah. And so so yeah, you know, uh, I mean, there's a sense in which you know I, I believe you know like God is uh, definitely involved in the matchmaking business. Yeah, yeah, and He brings people together. Uh, but you know, you also need to exercise wisdom. Uh, you need to trust the like what, what mom said earlier about the wisdom of the elders. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know whether it's uh, family, pastors. Like you know we know we are pastor friends that basically vet you know whoever uh, you know their young adults cho- choose to marry. Right. And I know of cases where they've said to somebody, I don't think so. I'm not sensing the same thing in my spirit, even though you're feeling you know that this is the one. And so I think, uh, you know, some of that discernment, Mm -hmm. you know, that you Mm -hmm. don't get caught up in this haze uh, and that narrow lens and you you don't see the the, the wide angle view. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was just going to ask, Mom, before you comment, um, what are some of those tough questions that couples should be asking when they're in the dating phase? Uh, well, I think one of the things is uh, is really uh, knowing about what what are some of the childhood experiences, you know, that your partner went through. Yeah. Like, is there trauma there? You know, uh, it's just a big thing that we're discovering now. You know, a lot of people, you know, uh, have trauma that they never share about. And then all of a sudden something happens. Something may be innocuous of some word, some gesture triggers something from the back. So, hey, you know, tell me what was your childhood like? Uh, like one of the exercises we have, you know, in the book is uh, 
what we call the communication questions. And so there are three questionnaires and they go progressively into like a little bit more in depth. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so part of it is knowing your, 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 uh, your partners, uh, early years, uh, and also their families, you know, what do they grow up with? Um, and, mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think the faith background, that, that's important too. Sure. Uh, because uh, some people, you know, um, they marry people who are maybe they're not the same faith or not the same level. Yeah. They think, oh, they'll they'll change afterwards. And then they get into trouble afterwards. After they get married, then the problem comes and, you know, and then it's a little late. Um, but I'm thinking, you know, um, no matter what it is, you know, once you're married and you find all these uh, challenges, you can still work it out. You can yeah. still, you know. But, but the thing is, like some of them, like uh, actually, that's a good example because I'm, you know, uh, kind of you know, counseling a couple of people right now who are, uh, you know, in, in the early stages of relationships, mm-hmm. and and they're bo- they're committed to their church very much, and the other person does not share the same kind of you know denominational uh, you know, or background in Christianity mm-hmm. and so one of the things uh, like I've told them both is like they're both guys it's like like take the girl with you to your church right and because you need to let them know hey this is where I practice my Christian faith yeah and this is very important to me this is part of my life and you know come with me and uh, experience it uh, and don't just say well after we're married I'll you know I'll come to your church no come now experience it and if you think it's you know uh, like, like, let me know how it is for you. Yeah. Yeah. So some of those things, you know, that uh, again, you know, this this overlooking can 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 go too far. Yeah. And and you know, and uh, asking questions about uh, like money, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you handle money. money? Like, what kind of debts do you have? Sometimes people get married and then find out that their spouse, you know, came, you know, carrying a heavy debt load. Right. Yeah, which was larger yeah. than the dowry. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah the other thing too i think ed- education is another thing too you know some people uh, um, just get married like uh, you know they they don't talk about those kind of things and then afterwards you know they even that they are on a different level yeah yeah like so, as far as like career goals or career goals yeah um and even the ability to discuss certain things. Like I, I know a, a sad case not that long ago where after a number of years of marriage, you know, the guy basically said, I can't talk to my wife about anything intelligent, you know, because mm-hmm. their educational levels and stuff were so, you know, far apart. Yeah. So in the beginning, you know, the feelings and everything carry them through. And then it's like, uh, you know, like she has no interest in the things that I'm interested yeah. in. Yeah. And so, so you need to, you know... Uh, if you're going to have a period of courtship, uh, then these things you know need to be you know talked about the, the things that are important to you. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I think this uh, the education to a certain degree, I would say. Yeah. But the other things that we talked about, they are you know kind of the top. Yeah. Uh, important. Yeah. 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 The, yeah. yeah. Another thing to do is watch for. Yeah. 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 Okay. yeah. Watch for you know how a person handles adversity. You know, like if somebody, like do they throw a temper tantrum uh, or they're taking refuge in, uh, you know, alcohol, drugs, you know, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Those kind of, you know, things that they, if, if you, you know, you're seeing those things, even when you're together or if you're suspecting something else going on, then, you know, like you need to confront each other. 
because it's much more difficult to confront somebody about these things once you're married. And then, you know, for that person to get the help, uh, because, you know, I get a, you can, I was like, well, you know, you're, you're stuck with me. Yeah. You know, like that type of thing. Or I'm stuck with you. Yeah. yeah. You can get in that kind of an attitude. And all of that can be avoided. You know, mm-hmm. if you if you get any red flags, you know, get get, like get them out in the open. Yeah. You know, and do a lot of uh, like digging, like due diligence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. the most important decision you're going to make in your life next to, you know, giving your life to Jesus. Mm. And so that's need right. To, yeah. And it's a lifelong commitment, right? Yeah. Yes. So, yeah. Yeah. Like in our case, uh, Slojan's dad did a lot of due diligence on me. <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? <laughs> you told I think he <laughs> talked to some of the neighbors, relative, I don't know if it's relatives, some of the friends that kind of knew their family. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. I, know, to, I know he talked to a, a teacher that used to be oh, a colleague okay, of yes. my mom's. Okay. Yeah, because they taught together. Yeah. Yeah, but but she was also your your principal at the time or had, That's right. Had missed or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so you went over uh, in there in high school. Yeah. yeah. And said, yeah. "Hey, uh, you know, is this guy okay?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They yeah. they did the checking. Yeah. 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 So yeah. it's not, you know, just finding two families. They still check the background, yeah. the yeah. character. Yeah. Yeah. So when you're doing that on your own, you know, like, I think you need to like you know, send a private eye after them. But uh, but you need to like like go in with you know with your eyes wide open yeah rather than uh, mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. get caught up in a romantic haze or the one yes and then I don't see anything else I don't see the blind spots yeah and it's interesting because a lot of people are meeting now through online dating and online dating is really not that different it's just an algorithm yeah. I suppose that's a big difference but you're essentially looking at people's um, profiles, right? Like personalities, but education, a lot of those things factor into the algorithms mm-hmm. and how they're matching people up. And it kind of makes sense that that would be a good vetting process. But then I hear what you're saying. You have to actually talk through these things, find out where people stand and make sure that you guys can either reconcile your differences or resolve them or whatever it might be. Yeah, It's funny, in India, what we're finding now is that a lot of the marriage brokering is actually happening online. Right. Yeah. So I was talking to one of my cousins uh, a couple of years ago. So rather than having her daughter go online and look for partners, she goes online looking for somebody suitable for her daughter. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So she puts up her daughter's profile. And then... Puts it up where, like, does it post on Facebook or... Uh, no, no. They, they have these uh, marriage sites. I can't think of the names right now. Okay. In India. It's a huge, huge business. Huh. Uh, yeah. And so then she basically tells her, hey... Here are, you know, here's a guy that I found who I think is a good match. Right. Uh, so then the two of them connect, you know, on social media. Okay. Maybe have conversations, you know. So so it's a little bit like d- different than the 15-minute conversation that we had. Yeah. And at that point, if they feel like, okay, I think we're, we were having a, like a hot connection, mm-hmm. then we'll meet. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like a database that the brokers all have access to. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Except, the, you know, it's not just the brokers. It's the... The parents can yeah parents can now be matchmakers if they if they you know if they want if they have the inclination i see okay yeah. okay got it of course kids find their they can go on there and find their partners too mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's fascinating yeah. so um we talked a little bit about what somebody should do before they get married conversations to have things you want to talk through um what are you guys witnessing on the other side because you guys are working more or less exclusively with couples that are married mm-hmm. and that have run into difficulties what are some of the major 
issues that are coming up right now? Well, there are presenting symptoms and then there are the roots okay. of what's going on. Yeah, yeah let's so, go through both yeah, yeah. as so, far as just the common ones. Yeah. Presenting symptoms are things like, you know, we don't talk to each other anymore that much. Uh, you know, we are always fighting about everything, okay? You know, like we we have not been intimate with each other physically, you know, for a long period of time. What would be what would a long period of time be? Well, uh, months. Sometimes, you know, uh, you know, maybe people have had a sexual connections once or twice a year. Yeah, uh, that type of thing. Yep. And so um, that's way more common than people realize. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah stories yeah. are very common. Yeah, yeah. There's a whole category now. Uh, that's being used in counseling called sexless marriages, right? Uh, which is uh, less than ten times a year. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and huh. so which is very very low. Yeah, and so uh, so people come with these, you know, presenting symptoms, uh, but then so what what would you say are the roots uh, that that lead to that? Yeah, I think lots of unforgiveness, not uh, forgiving each other quickly. And moving on, holding you know, grudges. Hold, holding grudges. Yep. Uh, so you know that's one of the things you know we teach them how to forgive and let go. Yeah. And makes a big difference. Otherwise, you know, you're creating that wall. The just the wall gets bigger and bigger. And, yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. So forgiveness is a big thing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. Um, the other thing is um, you know uh, the lack of transparency. You okay. know, sometimes it can be like addiction um, or with finances uh, or with health, um, you know, not not being transparent to your partner. Yeah. The, yeah. The, I think the finances and, you know, the addiction are probably the big things. And then, you know, all of a sudden you find out um, this uh, huge debt or, uh, you know, the addiction they have. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, you face it and, mm-hmm. you know, it can be a big blow to the partner so yeah yeah so that's another thing um yeah yeah. and the other one is like uh, unhealthy patterns that become embedded okay and so um well and and part of it is like like where do you learn how to resolve conflict in a relationship like it's it's never taught anywhere Right. right you know or even handling finances like some people had good role models in their family or you know they just had that kind of mentality yeah and so they you know do well uh, but a lot of couples don't a lot of people don't work with budgets and so on um, or managing their uh, time you know like planning leisure activities like date nights that type of thing yeah so these are what, what i mean by getting into unhealthy patterns where you know like some focus on just work 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 yeah right and so you're not uh, so, so before you got married, you know, you you couldn't wait to spend as much time as possible, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, with your with your beloved. After you got married, then it's like, hey, what's for dinner? You know, <laughs> either, you know, you wolf down to dinner, go turn on the TV, yeah, and then fall asleep on the couch. Yeah, yeah. And yeah it's so not taking each other for granted. Granted, and, that's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You guys also touched on traumas earlier too, and I imagine that would be a pretty big one. You know, when people have, whether it's in childhood or not, I guess most of them are in childhood. But I imagine a lot of people are going into marriage with those traumas. And if they're not processed, they haven't worked through them, those things can surface pretty quickly when you start to get further down the marriage path. Yeah, right? yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 
So that, that's why, you know, uh, when they come to us, we uh, get them to go through in a healing process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it can be, you know, the call with the different names, you know, like Sozo, uh, restoring the foundation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We start off with that. Yeah. Or, or sometimes like these days, because we're more sensitive to trauma, you know, we, we recommend, you know, people go for therapy. Yes. Yeah. Because uh, inner healing can only go so far deep. Yeah. 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 And so when the, a lot of the wounds are, you know, uh, really lodged in what we would call the soul, your mind, will, and emotions. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so that's where, you know, like it's, it's not an easy fix. You know, it took you, sometimes it took a long time to uh, develop certain belief systems, you know, to uh, bury, you know, some pain. And so to, to bring it all out and get the healing you need, uh, you know, can take, take a long time as mm-hmm. well. And, uh, you know, like we, we tell couples, you need to be prepared to do that. Yeah. Because compared to the time that you're going to be together as a couple and enjoy married life, this time that you take, you know, to take care of these things is really minuscule. Yeah. 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 And that's where we notice in lots of couples get their breakthrough after they go through this uh, inner healing process, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, okay, this is a bit of a controversial question, I guess, but I'm thinking about, we know the divorce rate's pretty high. um, And I mean, there's some pretty staggering numbers about breakups and divorces during COVID. You know, everybody at home, at each other's throats, all that kind of stuff. But I guess I'm just thinking, you know, you guys came from a background where divorce was off the table from the get-go. Like before you even meet the person, it's just embedded in your head, like when you get married, divorce is not an option. You don't even entertain the idea, you're committed, which is a, a mentality that is totally lost in our society. And I guess I'm just curious, have you guys encountered relationships or couples where you're like, oh, actually, you guys should divorce, you know, like, because it's so problematic or there's so much trouble going on or it's very clear that they're not going to be able to reconcile their differences. And I'm being a little bit facetious asking the question because um, obviously biblically we know like there's really yes. only two criteria that we get for, for mm-hmm. grounds for a divorce. Um, but I, I guess I'm just curious, like, uh, what, what do you guys see in your, in your practice? Is, is any kind of marriage more or less reconcilable or is there ever a breaking point where you're just like, yeah, it's better that you guys split? Well, we have never ever had to counsel any couple to do that. Okay. Uh, what, we, what we have found, and this is something that we, we chose to do right from the get-go, is that we will only work with couples where both are committed you know, yes. to experiencing the transformation. Yeah. And, uh, and, and sadly, you know, like we, we have had couples that have gone through our process and never completed it sometimes because along the way, one person decided that they don't have the will to keep going anymore. So in, in the process or in the marriage? Well, in the process, in the marriage, which then of course affects the process. Okay. Yeah. 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 And so, so that, that does happen. Yeah. You know, um, although like we, we fully believe that if, uh, if both uh, the husband and the wife really, really badly want it, then they can find a way to make it work. Uh-huh. Uh, because it's not just their willpower, it's the power of God. You know, it's access, you know, what the Holy Spirit's power, uh, like all things are possible. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and so, unfortunately, you know, uh, there's this whole other thing called free will. <laughs> and so when one of the spouses exercises their free will, 
not to work on the marriage and to walk away, then uh, yeah, you we know, cannot do anything. You can do anything more. Yeah, right. Cannot force them. Yeah. The only other uh, situation I was thinking is uh, if if there's a uh, abuse, you know, in a relationship, and the other the, that person is not willing to change or get help, yeah, then um, there might be. you know something you know if, if there's danger yeah. uh, for for the other person then yeah. yeah then i might think about that um you know because i don't think jesus you know would agree with somebody getting you know being abused yeah. uh, in a in a marriage yeah. so um yeah it, uh, that's the only time um you know we haven't had to yeah. face anything like that uh, but uh, we we had talked about it right mm-hmm. yeah So yeah. that's the only time. Otherwise, I think in most situations it can be worked out if they are like um, like Jeeva said. If both of them are willing to work at it, yeah, we can work it yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. with to, the help know, of yeah, God. Yeah, you have to be willing to invest the time, the energy, and the resources. You yes. know, like the finances or you know, you have to be willing to do that. Yeah, yeah. But one of the things you know, I've always uh, told couples, uh, you know, even even before we started our marriage mentorship. when somebody ran into problems and they started talking well maybe i married the wrong person maybe it'd be better for us to get divorced and start over again that type of thing uh you know i just always like for example let's say somebody comes to me at age 40 and says that yeah you know well we've been together for 15 years it's not working out and so you know i think it's time to call it quits well like the the average lifetime you know in north america uh you know for a male and female is somewhere in the early 80s now like close to late 70s early 80s yeah so i basically you know have, have to give them a bit of a reality check and to say listen you're 40 years old and potentially nothing else goes wrong you're going to live another 35 to 40 years what if you take 2 years of your life right now and get your marriage straight you will still have roughly 35 to 40 years to enjoy wow. a great marriage together yeah you know Uh, otherwise like you know especially if there are children involved uh, like you know like a lot of people don't think through the consequences yeah you know of of getting of how a divorce will affect uh, not just the two of them <laughs> you know but the children coming generations then the children have to end up in therapy you know because they are traumatized by it yeah yeah and so so it's uh, like like to me it's uh, it, it's it's best uh, as much as possible uh, but also the you know both people have to you know take ownership yeah and and invest themselves totally right yeah 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 it's an interesting point actually because if if somebody had invested in you know let's say a stock for 15 years and after 15 years they're like oh i'm not happy with the returns i'm just going to donate the money and start all over again yeah that person's a fool like we know <laughs> that's not how you manage resources yeah. right yeah. but it i guess it goes to show you that we can become so emotional in our decision making in relationships and we don't we don't actually realize what we're what we're doing like yeah. the trade-offs that are involved yeah. and the repercussions it's not until later yeah um i wanted to ask something that you said earlier so you talked about how you'll only work with couples where both are committed and of course that makes sense given the subject matter but at the same time it sounds like your philosophy focuses a lot on the individual healing and growth of each person like it doesn't sound like you're talking through all of the communication patterns and some of those things that are like you know unique to the couple or specific to the couple you're actually focused more on the individuals knowing that if they can both work through their stuff mm-hmm. and if they can both become healthier 
a byproduct is the marriage gets healthier as well. Why? Why? Why is? It, why do you guys approach it that way? Because um, you know we've even had people on the podcast who would have a, diff- a very different approach, and they'd be looking at their personality profiles and seeing, yeah, these are the areas where you guys are going to have conflict, and helping them work through that. Why? Why start with kind of an individual approach, and then trust that the byproducts will lead to a better marriage? Mm. Well, one of our operating fundamental principles is that there are no such things as marriage problems. There are, you know. Two people with their own problems coupled together in a marriage, and so if you if you try to just teach people how to solve communication issues, financial problems, sexual issues, whatever, uh, you know, without addressing what they brought into the marriage with them. Yeah. Uh, in other words, like when two people are holding hurts, you know, wounds, trauma from the past, they cannot relate to each other, you know, as healed people. And, and so hurt people hurt people. And so they end up hurting each other even more. And so until you take care of each of them individually, and that's why like our process places a huge emphasis, you know, on that kind of healing happening. And then we bring them together and teach them some of the patterns and so on. Okay. That they can then change. But if the change does not happen deep down inside, uh, then it's not going to last. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where sometimes people come to us after going for counseling for years and years, <clears throat> attending all sorts of marriage seminars and retreats and conferences, and the change doesn't last, is because they still are the same people, mm. you know, who are wounded and wearing that wounded on their sleeve. Yeah, it's like redecorating the house when the problems with the infrastructure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what, what would you guys say to somebody who um, maybe is in a relationship where they're the only person that wants to improve the marriage or is willing to put forth the effort the other person isn't necessarily like out of the relationship and wanting to divorce but they're you know they're like oh we're fine we don't need help or you know they're for whatever reason they're resistant to getting some more help properly what what can somebody do if they're if they're the one who's kind of pulling the weight so to speak yeah you know they can work on themselves and uh, you know that's a good place to start um like jiva said you know because we work with the uh, people individually. So yeah, that's something, you know, you cannot force the other person if they don't see anything wrong with the marriage. We, we have had some couples that come to us where we have talked to them and the one person, usually it's the husband, the, doesn't think there's a problem. So we uh, tell the, you know, the, the spouse, um, we'll, we can help you, you know, if you want to work on yourself and get the inner healing, Yep. Um, or uh, teach them some of the, you know, basic uh, foundational things. Yeah. Uh, like, you know, um, the changing the spiritual atmosphere at home, um, you know, getting to the word, uh, praying, um, try and pray together, uh, those kind of things. We, we teach them, uh, yeah, so we, we do that also. That's really uh, good. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, uh, sometimes if the, the other person who uh, was not willing to come along, they, they'll see the change in their spouse. And, you know, uh, sometimes there are, you know, they'll, they'll come along, you know, maybe they'll see the changes and they think, okay, maybe she's, you know, changing or he's changing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this marriage, you know, there's hope. That's really good. Yeah. Yeah, we had a very dramatic illustration of the long ago where uh, as a favor to a friend, I agreed to work with a guy you know, whose wife had, at that point uh, indicated that she was leaving him and then she did indeed leave. Huh. And so 
you know, it, it didn't look like, even though she didn't talk divorce at that point, she was not giving any signs that she wanted to come back. Uh, and so, so that's what I told him. I said, you know what, I will take you through uh, most of the process that we do. I, of course, I can't teach you the things that you will do as a couple, uh, but let's work on, you know, on, on you. Uh, and, you know, it, it took a while. And, and he was very, very good, you know, in following uh, the instructions and, uh, and making sure that he himself, you know, addressed, you know, his hurts. There were some revelations that happened. Mm. There were some things that came out that he knew he had to work on. Yeah. Uh, and lo and behold, along the way, you know, uh, you know, one day his wife asked if she could, uh, you know, uh, come home just to spend some time because uh, like of some circumstances. And then slowly, like within a matter of weeks, she was back. And, uh, you know, today they're very happy together. Then we mentored them together as a couple. Yeah. <laughs> After yeah, that. That's right. Yeah. Now, now, I'm not, so I'm not ruling that out. Uh, like, for example, the process that we lay out in our book, somebody can take it and apply on their own. Yeah. Uh, but what I meant earlier is that uh, for us, you know, like we decided that uh, like our process is really, you know, like we, like we designed it. For a husband and a wife to work together, that's true. Because that's yes. because we offer a guarantee, and the only way we can offer the guarantee is if both of them are totally committed to doing everything. Yeah, yeah. It, it's really good though what you are saying for people who are in that boat where they're the only one, because um, I think often you find these stalemates in relationships where both are at a standstill. Where it's like, well, if she does this, then I'll do my part, and vice versa. And it really, the onus is on each of them to, to take responsibility for their stuff yeah. immediately, like starting right now, regardless of what the other person does. Yeah. 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 You know, this, I think, came by trial and error. In the, in the beginning, we were stuck with, you know, only if both of them uh, are in agreement to work this marriage, then we'll do it. And then eventually there were so many people coming where, so, so many couples where only one of them was committed so we looked at each other and we said, we, we have to do something. Yeah. So that's when we thought, okay, maybe we'll help the one person who, you know, um, God said to help everyone, right? So yeah. we thought we'll help the person that is, uh, you know, mm. uh, the, that is willing to get the help and, you know, see yeah. where it yeah. takes. Like, and, uh, but but yeah. not everybody receives that message well. Like some people want to completely pin the blame on the other person. Yeah. Well, I don't want to change. You know, what do you mean? I don't have to change. You know, he or she is the one that has to make all the changes. They did this, they did that. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's funny, like this many years ago in a book that that's not even Christian or anything. I remember this guy saying, people, a couple, and so we're talking about marriage, uh, people who try to change each other will end up exchanging each other. Huh. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And so, because you cannot change anybody else. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Like I've even had people, I remember one woman one time called me and said, can you talk to my husband and tell him to change? <laughs> <laughs> He's not being this, he's not doing that, and so on. And it's like, no, I'm not doing that, you yeah. know? But, um, you know, because I, I know what the, the, I mean, yes, I'm a pastor and have some, uh, some kind of, uh, you know, uh, oversight over him. Uh, but, you know, if he doesn't want to change, it doesn't matter who tells him, yeah. you know? But if you want to make the changes that you yourself need to make, mm -hmm. uh, then, you know, you, re you leave the room for God to do a miracle. Yeah. Yeah. Sadly, you know that that advice was not heeded in that case. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, it makes sense. Um, you talked about you have a guarantee with your program and, and everything you offer. Obviously, with the book that's coming out, it's going to outline uh, outline rather your process, um, which has proven to be really successful. What what's the guarantee? Yeah, so the guarantee is that uh, you know if you follow everything that we teach, yeah, and you remain accountable to us on a daily basis. So there are ten daily habits that everyone has to practice. Okay, you know, so in the beginning we give them a couple of weeks to get used to them. And there's an accountability tracker that, that we monitor. It's an online, like a Google sheet, hmm. uh, where they have to check off every day that they've done everything for 63 days. It's three 21-day cycles. Okay. Something I learned from Carolyn Leaf, that yeah. uh, lasting change is not just one 21-day cycle, but it has to be three huh. for it to be permanent. Yeah. And so if they do that for 63 days in a row, and they apply everything that we teach them along the way, and, you know, and we hold their feet to the fire, and they don't get the breakthrough that they came seeking, then you get your money back. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. So um, we don't have time to go through the whole process necessarily that you're walking couples through, but I'm wondering if you can maybe, each of you can give kind of one of your, I don't know, more salient points. Like what's, what's a tool or a resource or a concept that our listeners can walk away with for, you know, if they want to maybe take a step today and try to improve their marriage um, for each of you, what's maybe one of your favorite things that, that you guys teach in your process? Mm. You know, the one of the first things we teach them is changing the spiritual atmosphere. I think that is a very important process in, uh, you know, changing the whole, um, the, the marriage, the co- conflict in the marriage. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a little bit like a greenhouse, you know, like plants will not grow in a toxic environment. Mm. Huh. Yeah, you keep pumping gasoline fumes into a greenhouse, you know, like the plants are going to die. Yeah. And so in a marriage, if the atmosphere is toxic, then you can do all the right things and you still won't get the kind of growth that you are desiring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so we have a, like the, the 10 things that I was talking about are then, essentially to shift the spiritual atmosphere. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So some of the things I think I mentioned before, um, getting into the world, you know, and uh, praying together. Um, the spending quiet time. Spending quiet time, that's right. And then um, journaling, you know. Gratitude. Uh, gratitude. Um, well, what's the, we, we try to teach them how to see good in their spouse. Uh, see, yeah, what are some, uh, you know, the, when they journal. Um, what else? Uh, the worship time, time worship. So we have got, you know, 10 different things like that mm-hmm. uh, where they're supposed to put a check mark and, it makes a big difference, you know, builds that uh, solid foundation uh, for, the, for the whole family, the, the, the marriage, the relationship, and then, you know, we can move on. That's uh, one of my favorite, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. And, and really the, most of the change happens in the second segment, which we call removing spiritual blockages. Okay. And so that's where we do the, uh, teach them to do the work of, of forgiveness, uh, repenting of judgments, um, you know, and then uh, looking at any generational, you know, influences, as well as uh, soul ties, uh, alignment, you know, are you in the right alignment that, you know, God prescribes for your marriage? Uh, all, and that is, well, so we always tell couples in the first four or five weeks, don't expect a lot of change. Yeah. Because we're really, you know, working, you know, at the root issues. Yeah. Yeah. And then we begin to see the fruit. You know, after that, yeah. yeah, and then so right on the heels of that, once we've done all of this and cleared some of the baggage out of the way, and they've had a measure of healing, 
Now we teach them to communicate. Now we teach them to resolve conflict. Right. Yeah. yeah. Now we teach them to, uh, you know, how to, uh, you know, uh, manage their time, right? finances, finances. Yeah. and and one of the things we find is by the time we get through the the first three uh, parts of it, and they start communicating a little bit better and resolving conflict, the sexual connection almost automatically is restored. Right. Yeah. So when you work with a couple for you know like ten to twelve weeks, usually. You know, like we can tell around week seven, we look at each other and say, I think they're having sex. <laughs> <laughs> they're holding hands when they come in, smiling a bit more. Yeah, some of them, when they first come, they like they don't even sit close to each other. They don't look at each other. No touching, nothing. Yeah. 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 Well, I remember uh, there was a summer. I must have been in between jobs. I was living in the basement when you guys, I think, had just started. And I remember I had, I think all the doors were closed, but it didn't matter because this woman was yelling so loudly yeah. at her husband, you could hear it. Yeah. So you guys have, you guys really see couples at their worst sometimes. Yeah. And that must be pretty remarkable in week seven, eight, yeah. where they're coming in and you can kind of feel the shift. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I, I still remember that one. <laughs> I stood there and I thought, God, what, what did we get into here? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Was early on in our uh, yeah, relationship process. Yeah. 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 Sometimes, yeah. Uh, you know, you that's how you get stronger too. Yeah. You know, you lean on God and uh, God's wisdom. Yeah. And, and one of the things uh, in that particular instance is that uh, both of them were not sticking to the daily habits regularly. Yeah, I remember yeah. that. And we were being a little bit lenient about that in those days. Yeah. Because I'm not totally sure we had the guarantee at that point. I don't think we had the guarantee. And, and that's when we tightened yeah. it up afterwards. Yeah. There was some help from, you know, one of our marketing uh, mentors to say, no, you have to do all of this. Yeah. And, and, so, and so now we, we call couples. If you don't see enough check marks consistently, yeah. Yeah. it's like, guys, like, you're going to waste your money. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to keep it up, if you're not going to keep this up, then, you know, like, might as well call it quits. Yeah. 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 Or you shape up. Yeah. And get back on track. Yeah. The one other thing um, also at that time we didn't realize is some of the trauma. You know, the trauma, they, they need more help yeah. than just the so-so restoring the foundation. Right. Uh, so we've been sending people to therapy and that makes a big difference yeah. with, uh, you know, uh, getting... Uh, healed from all the trauma yeah 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 and i i mean i think we've all seen the same trauma therapist that you're also referring <laughs> these people to she's amazing yeah, yeah. yeah and what a difference it does make yeah um as much as you guys are comfortable i'm wondering if you can share on some of the issues you have run into and had to work through in your marriage just some of the more prominent ones um because i think uh, i know for me with deep clean the the process that i've created is it is research-based and there's a biblical basis but it's anecdotal as well because i've went through it and i can say i i've been through this i know this works if you actually apply this the way i'm teaching it to you and i would have to imagine that some of your process has come from your own personal experiences what were some of the what are some of the main issues you guys have had to work through in your 37 38 39 39 next month 39 years of marriage yeah Yeah. wow Wow. time's flying here yeah next year it'll be 40 (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I think uh, one of the biggest thing, uh, biggest challenge uh, we had to face, uh, work through, is the finances. And, you know, it's the different philosophies, different, you know, way we were brought up yeah. uh, handling finances. That was a big issue. Like, uh, you know, I, I still remember growing up, my, my dad, 
didn't borrow anything for anything, you know, starting from like clothing to, um, you know, education to buying a house. He always uh, said, you save up money, enough money. And it's always like cash. You know, it, this is many years ago. Sure. And, uh, you know, you uh, never go into debt. Uh, and then when I came to Canada, it was just uh, Jeeva said, you know, he had to borrow money to buy a car. And that was like a no-no to my dad. You yeah. Know? yeah. So that was a big thing I had to adjust. And then, you know, and then later on, we got to send, you know, the debts with the credit cards. And um, yeah, and I didn't find out till later. Mm -hmm. So we had to work through that. Yeah. And it was the, the lack of transparency. Transparency. Right. Yeah. About, yeah. about finances. Yeah. Was yeah. a was a huge issue. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So, so how did that how did that come to a head? Um, it wasn't very good <laughs> when uh, you know the finally Jiva. Um, I think I kind of asked you, eh? And well, yeah. Well, the credit card debt had come to a point where it was not manageable anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. at that point, you know, you get uh, calls from. Uh, uh, yes, collection agencies yeah. and that type of thing. And those days, you had uh, phones on the wall, so whoever picks up the phone, <laughs> <laughs> that was probably Jaya or me answering creditor calls, not even knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then what we did is uh, one of the biggest help was uh, Dave Ramsey's uh, the Financial Peace University. Yep. So we followed that, and we got out of it, and yeah, mm -hmm. got all the. That's out of the way, yeah. except our mortgage. And yeah. 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 I could see yeah. that for sure. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting, though, because, like, I, I mean, that's just, that's so common. Yeah. You must see that all the time yeah. in the couples you're working with. Yes. And it's not, it, it has nothing to do with personalities or anything else. It's just habits people have developed. It's philosophies that you had growing up around money, whether they were healthy or not, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and trying to work that out and, you know, land on the same page about it. Yeah. Mm. And, and you're not taught either, you know. True. Uh, yeah. Even in, I don't know, schools. In, yeah, yeah. Financial no, literacy. No, before yeah. you get married, that's uh, one of the areas, you know. Uh, I wish uh, we get more help or education. Yeah. 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 yeah, most of the couples we work with, uh, like, never worked with a written budget, you know. And, uh, like, even until we sat down and started, you know, like, writing out a budget, like, Mom had no idea, you know, how much we we're paying for, like utilities and uh, you know mortgage and food and so on. Yeah, yeah, mm. yeah. And so, and then this is what happens in most marriages: one couple handles all the bills and stuff. One person. One, sorry, couple. one person rather yeah. the couple. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so one of the things we now teach our couples is, yeah, like that's the way it's going to work out practically. But your spouse needs to know, you know, what is coming in and what's going out. Yeah. 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 And also your spouse needs to know everything that is coming in. Like you cannot keep another, you know, like a slush fund somewhere <laughs> for your spending money. Yeah. You know, you can have, get more spending money, but talk it over. Yeah. 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 It's, it's the transparency yeah. that uh, that that takes the stress away. Yeah. And, so and also if you have a plan to pay pay things. Yeah. So so there are certain months when we when we do end up with okay, we've got more month than money. Yeah. yeah. You know, and so what are we gonna do? You know, so so not whereas before, uh, she would have never known that we were falling behind in a month right. because I wouldn't have shared that with her. Yeah. But now because we have a, a plan like a, a a budget that we look at close to the first of the month and the mid month checkup yeah. around the fifteenth, 
then you know th- then we are fully both of us are fully aware yeah yeah and then we say okay whenever extra money comes in rather than putting it towards you know paying down the mortgage like we're doing this month we're going to take care of this debt yeah, yeah. You know, like that type of thing that's amazing yeah yeah and i mean you're you're speaking to probably a lot of people's hearts right now because it's such a common issue and whether it's i think it's actually dave ramsey who says like the four sticking points in most relationships are religion finances sex and how you handle in-laws it's something like that <laughs> and it's like if you can be in agreement on those four fronts yeah you're probably going to be a lot healthier i don't know i don't think sex is one of them actually i forget what the other that, that one is um but I imagine, you know, you can fill in your blank here, whether we're talking about finances or something else, the more transparent and the more conversations that are happening, um, the more likely you are to at least be able to work through it. doesn't mean it's not going to be challenging. I imagine when you guys started having those conversations, that would have been a major challenge, right? And a lot of yeah. emotions and frustrations and whatever yeah. else that you're working through. <laughs> yeah, especially <laughs> yeah, frustration for the one that was not used to being transparent. <laughs> yeah. Um, but of course, like this is, this is part of marriage, right? This is part of the yeah. commitment that you guys were talking about at the beginning yeah. and you agree to work through it no matter how much debt your spouse has sunk you in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you so, yeah, the words better for, for words. <laughs> yes, yeah. yeah, those words become yeah, pretty true, I'm to, sure. I had to live by it. So. Yeah, so I, I like asking these kinds of questions near the end of an interview, which is that you, um, you kind of... Uh, I don't know. I guess you, you look ahead and you can see the divorce rate is, is high. Um, people's concept of long-term commitment is, it seems like it's getting diluted by the day. And I, I guess I'm just wondering, like, what do you guys envision? What do you guys dream about with your doing? I know that you guys are, are not just trying to have a nice practice, coaching practice. Um, I know you have some pretty big visions and dreams of what marriage could look like. And I, I wonder if you can share a little bit about it, because I think if you look at the landscape and you look at the stats, some of the stats are inflated and, and probably not that reliable. But I think we know that that people's general philosophy about long-term commitment has changed and divorces are certainly happening more often than they were 10, 20, 30, 50 years ago. Um, what do you guys see in the future and what, what would be required for us to value the institution of marriage again the way God had originally designed it? Well, in one word, it's uh, alignment, you know, because there's a, an alignment that God prescribes mm-hmm. for marriage, you know, which is God first, and then your spouse comes next, and then your children, and and then everything else, right? And so uh, a lot of times those, that, that, that alignment is not quite there. And so when it's not there, then, uh, then you're going to ask for trouble. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one of the things that, like, I sometimes challenge people, people, well, you know, we don't need God there. Well, you know, you've done your marriage without God and you have a 50 plus percent divorce rate. <laughs> yeah. Like, what do you got to lose, you know, by, you know, by accessing the power of God, mm-hmm. you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and, and getting your alignment right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing, too, you know, when you have um, little children, um, you can easily, you know, focus on the children and then you forget, you know, your spouse is the number one person, you know, then, um, yeah. So I, I still remember when I was home and, you know, nobody taught me, you know, yeah, your husband comes next to God. Yeah, well, with all the demands from Jaya and Priya, I can, just, <laughs> I can only imagine what you guys were up That's against. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so um, so you learn these things, you know, and yeah, you yeah. have to remember 
um, you know, your your spouse comes first before the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and make sure you're making time, you know, even with your busy schedule with the children, you're working full time. Yeah. Uh, take, make time for your spouse and, you know, the, the mm-hmm. like the date nights and. Yeah, mm-hmm. we didn't have it in the, in the early, early years. Place, no, no. no. Yeah, so yeah. Um, those are important yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other thing we say, like our, we do have a big vision. Our vision is to save fifty thousand marriages from divorce in the next five years. Wow. wow. And so very clearly, we're not going to do it on our own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that's sadly lacking uh, with marriage in society, in the church for sure, is some kind of mentorship. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like like I had a chat with. Uh, a pastor that used to be in town of one of the largest churches in the region. And he said that in their church, they found that a lot of divorces started to happen in year four of a marriage. Wow. But when they started uh, like probing what was going on, the problems actually started in year two. Like year one, you know, you would somehow rough it out. Yeah. You know, make allowances for each other and, and say, well, we just made a commitment. We got to make it stick. But then year two, when some of the things become a little bit you know, unbearable, that's when the cracks start to appear. Yeah. And so, so they were designing a program where they would match up a couple that was in year two of a marriage with a couple that had been married for like 10 years or longer okay. within their church. And they were asking us to help them come up with some kind of a curriculum yeah. that they could use uh, because you know theologically our DNA and stuff was very much like theirs. And so... Uh, so it, it doesn't have to be formal, but I think it's always good. Uh, I mean, it's good for couples to hang out with each other, but it's also good for especially young married couples because the first four years, you're actually quite vulnerable, even though they talk about the seven-year itch. and But statistically, a lot of break- breakups start happening at year four. Wow. Yeah. And so to, uh, to prevent that, uh, and, and maybe like you know, if you're part of the, uh, a church, if you're leading the church, then you need to facilitate that happening somehow. Yeah. You know, like just the marriage conferences and the couples nights where you just come and have a good time, watch them, you know, film together mm. and then, you know, go home. Uh, like that's good. It's better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, however, that's not what's going to keep things going, you know, uh, in, the, in the long run. Mm-hmm. And so like our vision is that uh, what we laid out in the book and we have a workbook that comes with it, uh, that, uh, a mentoring couple can take that material and work with uh, a couple being mentored yeah. because they both have the same you know, material in common and they just need to set up some kind of an accountability system that, hey, we're going to meet together you know, for the next you know, six weeks, eight weeks, 12 weeks, whatever, uh, and we're going to go through this material. We promise to do all the homework and you don't have to necessarily teach us, uh, but you know, keep us accountable. And then if you run into some situations, mm-hmm. you know, we'll bring them up and you can, you know, guide us with your wisdom. I think that kind of organic, you know, way of, of, uh, of providing mentorship, you know, I, I believe in the long run, that will save a lot of marriages. Yeah. yeah. Well, even thinking about the emphasis you guys mentioned in the arranged marriage approach, which has such a, a value for the elders, the opinion of the elders and that kind of thing. Um, that's a neat translation into, you know, I guess this cultural context where your range, your marriages aren't being arranged, 
but having that input at a higher level that i mean that just makes sense yeah, yeah. the wisdom mm. of the elders yeah yeah and you know proverbs talks about how in a multitude of counselors there's safety yeah. exactly. and all of that kind of stuff yeah. um the book is called the unbreakable marriage um tell us a little bit about it and what what can people do to connect with you guys if they want to find out more okay uh, so, so the book is a labor of love, although the gestation period took much longer than uh, <laughs> human child. <laughs> uh, but the book basically, like we don't hold anything back. We share everything that we would do mm-hmm. if a couple were to work with us one-on-one. It's, it's all laid out there. Uh, and when you get the workbook, then, you know, it, it even uh, make, makes it uh, you know, even more meaningful because... There's a lot of discussion questions, things you do on your own, things you share with your with your spouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and so so like we're very confident that uh, if somebody were to get the book and the workbook and uh, and work with the mentoring couple, if they get that accountability, uh, then then they will get the breakthrough. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Otherwise, you know, they can go to our website uh, yeah. ca and book a free consultation. Yeah. yeah, which is uh, worth $500 US. Yeah. And uh, yeah, we'll take it from there. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Well, mom, dad, <laughs> thanks for your time, guys. This was amazing. Yeah, thanks for this opportunity. Well, that was my interview with my, my own parents live in person. And um, we just had a lot of fun together, as, as you could tell. I, I hope that you got some value. And what I would really encourage you to do is to go get their book, The Unbreakable Marriage. It is available on all major platforms. And I do believe that by the time this is out, um, the, the interview is out, the book is also out. So you should be able to access it. And if your marriage is in crisis and you're saying, Sathya, I actually, I know that I need their help. And you can go to their website, you can book a free consultation, and um, and then you can see if it if it makes sense for you to work with them and to to go through their their system uh, for how they walk people through uh, complete recovery and and they have literally seen some of the wildest recoveries. My, my dad touched on it a little bit. We didn't get a chance to go in super deep, but it, their system really does work. And I think especially if your marriage is in shambles. Um, and if, if it's really struggling, these are the guys that you want to turn to. Um, and if you know that that porn addiction and sexual misbehavior are impacting your marriage, and maybe you heard them talking a little bit about the individuals, you know, and you're thinking, wow, I have my own personal problems that I know are causing problems in the marriage, and I want to get rid of them so that I can have a healthier marriage. And part of those problems may include porn addiction. Um, then I want you to go download a copy of The Last Relapse. That's my best-selling book that I give away free of charge on my website. I've spent thousands of dollars putting this thing together. It's a very valuable resource. We get comments on it. We literally get um, probably dozens of emails every week now about the book. And uh, this is a chance for you to get it completely free of charge, a blueprint for making a lasting recovery so you can be a healthier person, so you can have a healthier marriage, whether that's now or in the future. That is everything for today, guys. Much love to you. Uh, and one last thing I'll just say, I, I don't always say this at the end, but um, I would encourage you to share this with anybody that you know that's married that maybe needs a little pick-me-up, needs a little bit of advice, a little bit of insight. If you're married, I encourage you to share this with your spouse because if you're on the same page with your spouse, uh, you're really going to have a chance to uh, to work at these things together in an effective way. And um, that's what we want. We want to see your marriage is healthy and we want to see your friend's marriage is healthy as well. And so I hope you'll share this with anybody that you know might benefit. Guys, thanks again. Have an amazing day. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. It's Sathya again. Thanks for listening to Unleash the Man Within. 
I wanted to take a quick moment to let you know about a free ebook that I wrote for you called The Ultimate Guide to Porn Recovery. It provides a basic framework for the recovery process and a few of my top tips completely free of charge. You can get it now at www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. That's www.ultimaterecoveryguide.com. Now, if you've been impacted by the podcast and you want to show some support in less than 60 seconds, there are three ways you can do that. First, you can leave a rating or review on your podcast platform. This lets people like you know that the content here is valuable. Secondly, you can share this episode with someone in your life that might benefit from the content. If you're passionate about helping other people experience freedom and success in their lives, this is one of the easiest ways to do that. And lastly, you can subscribe. I personally only listen to the podcast that I subscribe to. If you're seeking daily encouragement, guidance, and insight in your recovery journey, I highly recommend subscribing to Unleash the Man Within. Thanks for listening. I look forward to connecting with you very, very soon. The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast by Cynthia Sam and his guests are for general information only and should not be considered medical, clinical, or any other form of professional advice. Any reliance on the information provided is done at your own risk.